Hey everybody, welcome to the Full Frame uh, Podcast. You just oh. uh, just uh, take, stop and take it from the top one more time. Okay, okay, you ready? Hey guys, welcome to the show. Our guest this week is Brian Loy. Now, not only is Brian another George Mason film alum, but more importantly, he is the creative manager of the Alamo Draft House at One Loudon in Ashburn, Virginia. So we are going to delve right in and learn about what Brian does for the Alamo and the DMV film community. Brian, welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, I was saying before we even walked into my apartment that you and I have never like sat down and chatted. I know. What's the deal with that? I, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like um, I do. I see, you know, const- ever since you kind of borrowed our hallway <laughs> for your senior film or was that your senior film or it was a college film? It was a college film. Okay. Yes. It was. A, um, it's like you kind of have always been in the periphery, like a lot of the film people from Mason like I see you mm-hmm. all over my Facebook feed yeah you're around <laughs> all over my Facebook feed but yet I've never met you and I've never talked to you so I'm glad we kind of we can just chat it's a pleasure um I was incredibly excited when I don't know how many years ago it was but you got the Alamo gig the Alamo gig yeah 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 um I started work at Alamo in September of 2016 and I became creative manager in September of 2017 So going on a couple years now, almost. So can you talk about your role there, kind of your responsibilities? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm basically, well, as creative managers, we are basically the gatekeeper of all that is awesome at the Alamo. So um, just a little preface. um, I am movies. Yeah. Um, My life motto is I'd rather be watching a movie than not watching a movie. And the great thing about the Alamo Draft House is that it's kind of like a temple for movie lovers. Uh, and I discovered this even way before I started working there. I think it was like in 2014 or 2015, I went to a screening there uh, because they were showing House of Wax, the Vincent Price film in 3D. And I'm like, where in, where in the world can you go see House of Wax in 3D uh, other than the Alamo Draft House? It was just a mind-blowing experience. Um, and so what I loved most about the Alamo is that they, they uh, bring the public movies that they would not have an opportunity to see uh, on the big screen or at all. Um, so that was what attracted to me about Alamo in the first place. And I've been working in movie theater since I was, you know, 16. And yeah. um, I feel, so I feel like I can say this, but if you go to it like a chain, like a movie theater chain, the big chains, um, they tolerate movies. Right. They show movies because they have to. Um, you, you go to Alamo Drafthouse, there's a love for movies. Yeah. Um, there's a real passion. And uh, I feel, as creative manager, I have a responsibility and a privilege to uphold the tradition of uh, bringing these movies uh, to the Northern Virginia area while putting kind of that unique Alamo spin on it. Yeah. So um, as far as my role, uh, basically, I ensure that the theater meets uh, our revenue targets for first run uh, features. So, uh, you know, promotional events, lobby activations for like the big movies that come out, whether it's, you know, the new Marvel movie, we have cosplayers in the lobby kind of interacting with guests. We have photo opportunities, stuff like that. Uh, I do marketing and social media, uh, all the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, community outreach. Uh, I book repertory titles with the studio uh, or, you know, the film studios. So uh, we not only show first-run features, but we show classic films as well, as well cult movies, independent movies, foreign films. Uh, so all of that is, is uh, kind of under my umbrella. 
I also uh, do weekly newsletters and press releases. Uh, I host events. So if you ever come to one of our movie parties or sing-alongs or quote-alongs or whatever, I'm usually kind of the hype man who comes okay. out uh, before the show uh, just to introduce uh, people to who we are, what we do, how it works, uh, and uh, kind of provide context for the film, get the audience involved. Um, ultimately, I, I kind of what we do as creative managers is curate a, a diverse selection of films and create a, a unique and memorable experience for the guest. So uh, be- between, because there's a lot of Alamos, there's one in Woodbridge, There, you guys are the one in Ashburn. Are there, do you get to make the decisions about, at least for certain areas, what movies are getting shown on what nights or what days? Or is that, do they kind of try and do that all over the the whole Alamo stratosphere. Yeah, so monthly we have uh, like a brainstorming session where okay. all the creative managers just kind of uh, brainstorm and put in ideas uh, about, you know, what anniversaries are coming up? What's a good movie to show, you know, for this holiday? You know, yeah. stuff like that. So uh, we kind of collectively come up with uh, like a national packet that we can choose which titles okay. we, we show. Um, so everything else I kind of fill in the blanks with, right. with my own imagination. I mean, I, I, I have movies just swirling around in my brain. I've, I've stayed up many nights like with, with programming ideas yeah. just swirling around in there because um, I, I take pride in what I do because I, I love movies so much yep. that I, I feel like I'm confident in my knowledge to yeah. create that, that diverse selection, right. you know, uh, and... Yeah, it's something I'm really, really passionate about. Yeah, it, I see all the posts and I see all of the events that I'm constantly missing, but I'm always wanting to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my ass to. I hope some so. of these events. Yeah, yeah. More. It's it's on my list of things to do in 2019, along with you know getting off the couch and going and exercising. <laughs> um, it's three months in and that hasn't happened yet. I but believe in you. What is working for Almo like? Because oh, it's it, it's kind of a mythical theater for kind of film nuts. Yeah, like, definitely. I know the Alamo before they even kind of... I, I knew the Alamo as a kid, you know, because of the hearing about the Austin film scene and Robert Rodriguez and, um, you know, it was kind of... And then they suddenly became this thing that started growing throughout the country, which was kind of fun to see, but, you know... I yeah, we're growing. It's, it's very inspiring to see uh, the growth. I mean... Uh, even in the Northern Virginia, D.C. area, next year we're opening Crystal City and D.C. proper. Oh God, we're getting the Crystal City one. Absolutely. So, so exciting stuff on the horizon. Um, it's an adventure. I mean, yeah. every single day, it's uh, uh, what, what movies can I show? Uh, how can we make this a cool experience for, you know, for the guest? And uh, how can we kind of cultivate a, a film community right. in the area? And so it's just a total blast. Um, it's a lot of work. It's a yeah. lot of, you know, there, there's really cool creative aspects to the job. There's administrative stuff that, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we have to do to get the job done and right. we do day to day. But it's, it's a thrill. I mean, it's the coolest job you could ever possibly have yeah. if you're a movie lover, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, there are all sorts of special events that go on at the Alamo day to day. Whether it's movie parties, we have the movie parties that are interactive. Uh, it, it's it's more interactive than your regular screening. We have a right. very strict no talking, no texting policy at the Alamo, which is something I value uh, because that 
helps the experience yep. you know just no distractions just get lost in the film but with the movie parties we're able to make it more of a celebration of the film that you're watching so uh you know for die hard we gave out cap guns to, you know uh, uh, to shoot along it. with the film uh we gave out twinkies you know to, to make it fun <laughs> office space we did it. office space we uh we had a pre-movie I saw the, you printer, beat the printer right yeah. <laughs> yeah so there's nothing more cathartic than you know seeing people smash a printer with a baseball bat yeah. before office space. So uh, stuff like that. Um, you know, we have uh, our champagne cinema screenings at, uh, every month. These are kind of more female targeted films. Yeah. Uh, Bridesmaids, Pretty in Pink. Um, in May, we're doing nine to five. Uh, okay. We also counterpoint to that. We have the, the Fist City series, which is our, you know, basically uh, action films. Uh, you know, we've shown Demolition Man, uh, Tremors, Enter the Dragon, uh, stuff like that. Was the Matrix la- yesterday? Yeah, was the that- Matrix was okay. actually part of our film club, and I. Oh, I, okay, okay. And I'm really, that's my baby. Yeah, that's kind of my baby that I've kind of inherited because it wasn't started by me, but uh, f- film club we kind of run the gamut. You know, we sh- we show everything from you know the Passion of Joan of Arc to Speed Racer. <laughs> From the Holy Mountain to Wolf Cop, you know, it's it's yeah. it's um, really like a community that that we've fostered, um, where we, whether it's you know independent cult foreign cinema, uh, we meet every Wednesday, okay, and we watch a film, and then afterwards we just kind of hang out in the lobby or in the uh, glass half full bar in in Ashburn it's glass half full and in Woodbridge is uh, Ghost Fleet. Those okay. are our bars where we just kind of hang out and we talk about the film debrief you know discuss um you know and you can stay however long you want there have been discussions that have gone on till like one in the morning i mean you don't have oh to stay God. for that long but that's that's the kind of community that i that's the that's the stuff i live for yeah um so i'm really really passionate about the the, the film club that we've uh that we've kept going for you know several years now and uh it's going strong so who shows up to the film club what's the audience there like uh Again, it just kind of depends on the movie that we sh- that we show that yeah. week, um, because again, there's just we show everything. We try to show everything, uh, but there are there is that loyal group that comes every week, yeah. and that's what we're trying to foster um, in in Woodbridge as well. We just started our film club in Woodbridge, um, so it's kind of hard building it from the ground up. But you do get those people who come every week or every month in Woodbridge's case, um, because. You know, we we offer such a crazy diverse slate right. that you never really know what to expect, what what yeah. you're going to get each week. Um, you know, as I said, in in the matter of a couple weeks, like we showed the Passion of Joan of Arc, uh, which is of course the great ninety uh, year old silent masterpiece. Right. And then the week after, I think either the week after, or a couple weeks after, we showed the Wachowskis uh, Speed Racer, which <laughs> it, it just right. completely on the opposite ends of the spectrum. But that's what it's all about. It's yeah. celebrating all aspects of film. So um, that's what it's all about in Film Club. And that's really what it's all about at the Alamo. It's, was, you, you mentioned nine to five. And I'm like, that is nine to five screening. A screening of nine to five is like so no one would ever think about that except like someone who loves you know people absolutely who love. and people come, yeah and <laughs> people come. suggest like hey let's do a screening of nine to five but it's a great movie one of my proudest moments um and this is what i've learned ultimately in this job is to take risks mm-hmm. uh because i i'm very mild-mannered i, I like my routine i yeah. don't like to take risks so that's what that job has taught me ultimately because 
a couple years ago, I was thinking, wouldn't it be great if we screened Batman and Robin for its 20th anniversary? That'd be great. I'd, oh. I'd love to see Batman and Robin on the big screen. Uh, so <laughs> I'm in a position where I'm able to do that. I'm yeah. able to show Batman and Robin, <laughs> and people can either show up or not. But people showed up. We had a, we had a, you know, 40, 50 people show up to Batman and Robin, and I gave them out like little, you know, Batman masks to put on, yeah. and you know, so it's, to make it an event. I mean, I never would have thought in a million years that people would come to that, but yeah. they do. Sometimes you have screenings that uh, are really successful and really hit, um, that are a surprise or unexpected, and sometimes you have others that you really push and you really try to get people to get excited about, yeah. and no one shows up or very few people show up. Um, so with anything, it's like with anything, you have your wins and your losses and uh, you just learn from them uh, as you go, you know? How do you get the word out, particularly for the Woodbridge? How do you get the word out? What are you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I am uh, the social media guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have a loyal, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram following. Uh, for the film club uh, in particular, we have Facebook groups yeah. um, that we you know, daily just interact with, uh, the, the people in the group on Facebook. Uh, we have, uh, weekly press releases and, and newsletters that go out. Uh, the newsletters are for our victory members, our Alamo victory members, which is our loyalty program at the Alamo. Um, so it's, I mean, it costs nothing to sign up and you get a uh, free ticket on your birthday, uh, oh, cool. and, and free snacks and, and special events, uh, special sneak previews, advanced screenings, things like that for mm-hmm. victory members. Uh, so, uh, victory members get a weekly newsletter, uh, talking about what's coming up at the Alamo and yeah, coming on podcasts like this, I guess in in a way is (laughs) it kind of advertising. It falls under your job responsibility. Well, no, not at all. (laughs) But it's, it's a pleasure to be here. But, um, yeah, no, I just spread the word any way I can. A lot of it's word of mouth. A lot of it's like, Hey, I run a film club. You should come, you know? Does the film club have a Facebook group? I think I may follow you guys. Uh, or maybe I've tried to join. I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah, we'll have to check on that. But um, yeah, in Ashburn, it's Alamo Ashburn Film Club. And okay. then Woodbridge's separate page is Alamo Woodbridge Film Club. So find us, join the group, and get in on the discussion. That's where you, you'll kind of be notified first about what's coming up and uh, what's what's happening. And it's every Wednesday? Every Wednesday is film club. What time but we have stuff going on all like, the time. All, all, all the time. Uh, but film club in particular is on yeah. Wednesdays, yeah. So let's uh, switch away from Alamo. For you, when did love of film, love of cinema start? Oh, man. I mean, ever since I was, I was young, I was just fascinated. Um, I think the film that really made me decide this is what I need to do for the rest of my life mm-hmm. uh, was The Incredibles. Because when you're 10 and you watch The Incredibles, uh, damn, is that a movie? Like, and and I think what I appreciated most about that movie is that um, I was I was I was 10, so I was still a kid. So, uh, what do kids love above anything else? Superheroes and pretending to be a superhero, imagining yourself as a superhero. Um, And it was. This was way before, you know, the superhero movie Boone had right. had started. So this was fresh. It was funny. It was exciting. It was original. And um, it also didn't talk down to me. Right. There's that moment in the cave that I will always remember for the rest of my life where um, Mrs. Incredible sits down Violet and Dash in the cave. And she says, uh, these, these 
bad guys are not like the bad guys you see on Saturday morning cartoon shows. They will kill you. Right. And I remember like the weight of that. I was like, wow, this movie is treating me like an adult, but it's targeted towards me, right. a kid. Yeah. So that was a really, really special movie. And that's what really started my obsession. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I had watched and enjoyed movies, you know, before that, but that was, that was the movie for me. Um, and ever since then, it's just kind of been uh, a lifelong, you know, passion of mine. Uh, I watch yeah. as many movies as I can. I try to watch as many movies as I can. And uh, I think that watching movies in general just makes you a better person. I'm not saying I'm better than, uh, you know. Than all the other people that don't watch movies. <laughs> but but, it, but it, it, it opens your world to so many more yes. experiences, makes you a more empathetic person. And uh, again, uh, at Alamo, that's kind of what I hope to inspire to other people. So yeah, uh, yeah it's The Incredibles for me. Uh, we'll not talk about The Incredibles too. I watched the first 45 minutes of okay. it, and then I quietly shut it off and <laughs> realized that eh, it's just not... Everyone was raving about it. Yeah, I, I think because people were so excited to see... Them back. Them back, yeah. you know. Um, but that that's probably one of the biggest disappointments of my entire life. I was so excited for that movie. and uh, I don't know how it couldn't have been a disappointment, is my... Because that movie is so good mm-hmm. that I it, watching Lightning it in a bottle, maybe. Yes, it was well, very Bird, much like. What are you gonna watch? Well, part of it's like every Disney sequel. I'm also like, why? Mm-hmm. Especially with Pixar. Mm-hmm. But uh, you, you were about to say something. Sorry. No, uh, Brad Bird for the longest time said, "I will never make The Incredibles two unless I have a really great story." And for the longest time, he's like, "I'm, I'm not going to do it until I have an idea." And then I think it was it, it was the hype, you know, yeah. it, the, the, the trailers were, you know, exciting enough. Before the movie, they showed like a little reel. It was, it was before the movie, they showed a little video of like Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Craig T. Nelson, you know, the whole, the whole cast, Brad Bird, talking about like, we've, you know, this is a 15-year wait. We want to thank you for your patience. This is going to be really great. Um, and, you know, you're not going to be disappointed. <laughs> it's right. like they opened the movie with that. Right. So it's like, can you build up my excitement anymore? And, uh, yeah, the movie just did not live up to the, to the expectations. Yeah. And um, not, only, not only were my expectations not met, I just, don't th- I just think it's a sloppy script. Uh, yeah. Sorry. But, uh, you know, there are people who loved it. It's, it's I think it's the highest grossing animated film ever made. Is like, it really? I, okay. I, I, I believe that's true. Um, so, you know, I, I find myself in the minority on that one, but, um, uh, I'm with you. Okay. <laughs> we'll be in the minority okay. together. Awesome. <laughs> well, and then let me, we'll bring this back around to the last thing I saw at the Alamo okay. was spider verse. Yes. Which I will, not only did the film blow my mind, um, because I'd never seen anything like it. Um, I will also say it's the first time I really sat in a theater and I really understood how like crystal cl- seeing a film crystal clear with really good projection um, because what what I saw on the screen in the Alamo, I was like, this looks incredible. Yeah, like, well, the movie, anyway is just stunning yeah. to look at the ingenuity and the, the it's like a comic book come to life it's incredible to watch 
but I mean, we take pride at the Alamo in our technical presentation yeah. of the films as well. Uh, we have, you know, 4K projectors and uh, did you see it in like the big theater, the yeah. really big one? Okay, that's our yeah. theater A. And that's, you know, a, a, a huge screen, a 4K laser projector, Dolby Atmos sound. So you're getting the best, you know, movie watching experience if you're in theater A. Um, and uh, yeah, it's an overwhelming experience uh, watching is. certain movies in there. Uh, especially, like, again, going back to Speed Racer, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but watching that in theater A was like the bit, like, really exciting for me. Um, because the colors in that movie and just like, yep. and, and v- very similar to Spider-Man, um, just like visually it's on another level. It's like, you've never seen anything yeah. like it. So, uh, I'm really glad you got to see Spider-Verse in that, in that environment. It, it was amazing. Cause as someone who makes films, I was also like, God, I, okay, I get it now. Like I understand what they're talking about when, you know, when, when a filmmaker talks about the presentation of a film and, you know, I've got I've got two movie theaters within a ten minute walk of me. I've got Fairfax Corner down the street. I've got Rave, and then I've got Regal. And you know, I've gone. I go to them, and I see my Marvel movies or whatnot. And then, but I saw going to the Alamo. I'm like, this is a whole nother. This is a whole nother level. Like this, is, I understand now that you've had this. I can't go back. Um, I remember seeing Blade Runner 2049 at Bowtie. Um, we're not going to turn this into a just shit on everyone else but the Alamo. But, you know, I went to Bowtie in Reston, and I've had, I have a history with that theater because that was my high school theater that I went and saw The Dark Knight in at midnight. I used to work there. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I have a theater. I saw, went and saw so many movies there. And then I went and saw Blade Runner 2049, and I rem- it was so dim mm. that you could barely understand. It was hard to understand the story. Because you couldn't get the visuals. And it was the first time I really went into a theater that was bad. Yeah. And I was like, Well, movies are a visual medium. Yeah. If you don't don't have that essential Yeah, it's essential. Yeah. Um, I mean, things happen from, like, very rarely uh, where the presentation's not quite right. But we we always make it right on our end, you know, when stuff like that happens. Um, You know, but we we take pride in our presentation. Yeah. you know whether it's the sound or whether it's the the screens um you know that it's 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 all part of bringing the optimal movie watching experience to people yeah. so it was a spider first what because they do some sound design stuff in there that is akin to like a rock concert where it's almost it brings you to the edge like I remember specifically like audio wise it kind of brought some sounds to the edge where you're like I feel like I'm in like uh, how, how do I describe it? Like you go to a rock concert and you're like, I probably won't be able to hear after this, but the experience will be great. Like the sound design in that movie kind of brought it to that point where. Yeah. And like different sounds would... coming from different, yes. different yeah. uh, ch- sound channels, which the Dolby Atmos uh, in theater a definitely helps with that because yeah. uh, Atmos literally surrounds you. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you'll get a sound coming from your, and you look and it's like, Oh, that's the movie, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So it's 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 really cool, and to see a movie like Spider Verse in, in a theater like that, it's like it's such a privilege, even for me, because I'm a I, I work there, but I'm right. such a huge movie geek that's like, you know, if I can see a movie in theater, a hell yeah, yeah. Well, I and then they did the you know each text bubble when it popped up, kind of had a sound, and you'd hear it over your right shoulder, over your left shoulder. So creative. That's the just left, you know. the, the the brilliance of the film. I mean, it was literally like watching a comic book come to life. 
in a way that if I'm not necessarily a comic book nerd, but I gr grew up reading comics, yeah. and you know what a joy like yeah. to to have a fil have filmmakers like that understand the aesthetic and understand and want to want to bring that to life. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It was. I was an experience. It wasn't like. It wasn't the same experience, but it reminded me of seeing Mad Max in the theater. Fury Road. One of the best movies ever. Amazing. <laughs> but a movie made for a theater, an experience made for a theater, and an, also a film that clearly didn't come from a script. Mm -hmm. Because how, you know, half of that film's like silent. No one's talking, you mm -hmm. know? And the first thing you do when you write a script, I mean, I don't, is you're like, okay, what should they say? You know, it didn't come from that. It came from that storyboard that they did. Um, yeah, it, I just, I, I had full disclosure, my coworkers and I at K-12, uh, took the day off on, on a Friday and we went to played the album, we played hooky <laughs> and went and saw Spider-Verse cause my coworker was like, you have got to see this film. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no work got done that day, but we did see a great film. <laughs> good, good, good. So, um, besides working at the Alamo, are you, are you so engrossed in working at the Alamo that that kind of is your life right now? Or are the you... answer is yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I, I, I love it. I really, really do love it. Um, you know, I, I, I try to see as many movies as I can outside the Alamo. Um, and you know, I used to have a, a blog. I used to have a YouTube yeah. page. Um, you know, I used to be more involved in independent filmmaking. Uh, not so much anymore since the job. A lot of it could be, you know, a uh, little bit of a conflict of interest. I don't want to be, yeah. you know, talking about a movie on my YouTube channel if, you know, it, it's being released that week or whatever. Right. Um, so I really just let my my passion speak for itself in the programming and, and my, um, my presence there. Right. Uh, I, I just love bringing that energy to the theater to kind of create that vibrant, you know. Yeah experience for people yeah so that's really what i channel my most of my energy into yeah but you used to, I, I remember following you doing did you do a podcast at one point or was it just the youtube channel that i was yeah doing? no I, I i had a few episodes of a podcast with a buddy of mine uh ricky um uh it was your you know average you know movie review yeah right show um and we had a we had a run of you know six or seven episodes maybe yeah um yeah, it's tough work uh, is, maintaining yeah. a podcast, so I got to hand it to you. Uh, well, and then we went off the rails. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> so it happens. But you're back. That's yeah. the important thing. Well, and you know what? I made a clear decision that I'm like, you know, I'm going to talk to, I'm not going to stress about, I'm going to talk to the people that I've either still want to talk to, have always wanted to talk to. Um, and you've, you've been on that list, actually, as I've accrued like kind of a new list over the past you know, three years where I desperately wanted to bring the podcast back. Um, I think part of it was also like, I kind of lost grit. We kind of lost like, okay, what are we trying to do with the podcast? Cause when we first Griff and I first started it, it was very clearly like, let's reach out to the people that we want to talk to. And we want to ask all these questions to, um, that are in this area, you know, and let's make connections and let's connect people. And I think I kind of had to refine that, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm honored, you know, that you asked, what can I say? Um, but you know, I'm, I'm glad that you're doing this and that you're following your passion and you're, you're, you're 
connecting people in the community. I think that's fantastic. Well, I feel the Alamo, the fact that you guys are out in Ashburn, because when we stopped the podcast, um, you guys weren't out there. And now... In Ashburn? I don't believe so. Ashburn's been around since 2013. Okay. Uh, yeah, Woodbridge is the, the, okay, the new then location. Maybe you guys were just getting there. Let me think about that. Okay, maybe we kept it going for a little bit longer. But um, I feel like with you guys out in Ashburn and then in Woodbridge and now that you guys are going to be in Crystal City, like that, okay, yes, there is a community you know, that wants to see movies. And I felt uh, there was another wind of like support where I'm like, yes, we have an Alamo out here. Like that's so great. Yeah. You know, for film in general, like there's going to be film watchers along with all these people desperately trying to make films in the DC area, you know? Um, so it was just, it's suddenly like, I feel like a little bit of, um, I don't know, like just, you felt like, a little bit justified of like, why do I make movies? And it's like, because people want to see movies. Absolutely. In not just any movie theater, but the Alamo. That means there's film lovers out there. You Absolutely. Know? It's inspiring to see people show up every week. You know, some of these movies you could get, you could watch on streaming or right. you could easily buy the DVD or whatever, but there is nothing like the communal experience of sitting in a movie theater and just getting lost in it together. Yeah. Going out afterwards, grabbing a drink at the bar, right. talking about it. I mean, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So that's what the Alamo yeah. is, you know. And I, I'm so blessed. It, like, I'm, I feel so grateful to be able to work uh, for the Alamo. It's the coolest job ever. <laughs> right. You know? Everything will be, every other job will be based on your time at the Alamo. Yeah, well, I mean... Ever since I was a little kid, I, I dreamed of, you know, making movies or having my own show where I talked about movies or so th it's kind of like the culmination, I guess, a, a little bit of like yeah. a, of like a lifelong dream to yeah. have this job. Um, yeah. So, so, uh, are you, you think you'll be getting back around to making a film, writing film? Do you, do you have a notebook of ideas or? Yeah, I, I have ideas. Yeah. I have ideas. Um, you know, I, I really, right now, this this is this job is my main focus. Um, but never say never, you right. know. if As long as you have, you know, the idea and the will yeah. to, to do something, yeah. you can do it. Right. So maybe one day. <laughs> so what has been the kind of, what's been the vibe as you uh, kind of use the Alamo to connect with the local film community? Because you've screened a couple of, you've screened a number of local films, mm -hmm. um, one of which is Mark Ritchie's um, Mortal Remains, mm -hmm. who's, you know, working on Harmony with us. Um, what has that been like? Uh, I mean, it's, it, it's a thrill. Um, as being so close to the D.C. area, yeah. there, there's a lot of local filmmakers out there. And that's something that I've, I really would like to do more yeah. at the Alamo. One of my aspirations uh, is to kind of start a film festival, a little bit of a film mm, festival okay. uh, where where we can kind of curate, yeah. you know, a, a slate of films potentially by local filmmakers. Yeah. Um, but it's been a blast. I mean, especially with Mark and I mean, the people I've met have, have all been, have all been great. Um, so yeah, that's that's something I value for yeah. sure. 
because you know without without each other without the community you know there's nothing do you do local screenings kind of every month or is it kind of depends here and there it depends it's kind of here and there gotcha but I, I try to do it as often as I can, you know, screen, you know, th- these documentaries that otherwise wouldn't be screened right. or, you know, these these weirdo horror movies or, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. That's, you know, that's what it's about. So it, can a can an independent filmmaker come to the Alamo and say, like, hey, can we do a screening? Is that are they kind you of can open cer- to that? Yeah, you, there... you can certainly approach me about it. It's not uh, a guarantee. Yeah, right. Um Ultimately, it's what will bring out, you know, an audience and what yeah. will, uh, you know, help the help the theater. Yeah, sure. Uh, so but but I, I will I will always accept, you know, any emails that come my way or any phone calls that come my way. Uh, yeah. Are there things uh, not just the indie film? Are there things on the schedule that you're looking forward to in the oh, next man. month? I'm sure there is. Oh yeah, absolutely. I just have to ask that to prompt you to talk about it. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So in, in May we have a ton of stuff coming up. We have an Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom movie party. We have a Three oh Amigos God. quote along where people, you know, the lines will show up on the screen. People are uh, encouraged or implored to to shout out the lines uh, along with the film. Uh, for Mother's Day we've got a, a Dirty Dancing brunch. We've got uh, <laughs> we've got. And that's the thing too. the The whole thing about the Alamo, that's in addition to the movie watching right. aspect, is the food aspect. Yeah. It's a full service restaurant and bar inside the theater. So uh, sometimes we'll have themed brunches, and and every month we have like our afternoon tea, where we have a themed menu of tea and treats to go along with the movie that you're watching and stuff like that. So I mean, there's there's many facets. So yeah. Like there's so many cool events going on. Um, we're showing the 4K restoration of the original Alien for its 40th anniversary in Theater A. So that's something you're not going to want to miss. When is that? Um, when is that? Because I need to know. <laughs> I'll let you know after show. the show. I don't okay, have it in okay. front of me at the moment. But yeah, um, for Film Club, we're finally bringing uh, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote to theaters. Uh, Terry Gilliam's like Very cool. film that he's been working on for decades. Forever. Yeah, so I'm really excited about that. We're doing a Godzilla double feature. Um we're showing Bad Black, which I don't know if you've heard of Who I've Killed never... Who Killed Captain Alex. No. Okay. What is that? Who Killed Captain Alex is a film um, that is from Uganda. Okay. So there's a village in Uganda called uh, Wakaliga, and they've kind of rebranded it, or they, they now call it uh, Wakaliwood. It's the it's the Uganda it's the Hollywood of Uganda. Basically, <laughs> they make these films, you know, in in their villages for. No money, practically yeah. no money. The budget of uh, uh, an average Hollywood film is 100 American dollars. Oh my like god! Like that, because that's all they have. Yeah, there. right. So it's so inspiring to watch a movie. And um, when I screened Who Killed Captain Alex for Film Club, I showed it uh, the week of Avengers: Infinity War, and I'm like, Invent- Avengers: Infinity War is is the embodiment of what you can do when you have all the resources you could possibly right need to yeah. make a movie um all the budget you know special effects whatever uh the people in macaulay would have nothing no. but ingenuity and passion yeah and they create their props out of sc- scrap metal you know and and whatever they can find to to bring that vision to life and they make the most joyful <laughs> like 
uh, it, no cynicism whatsoever in their yeah. films. It's very, um, and you can watch it on YouTube right now legally. Just go to Wak Hollywood or the the Hollywood YouTube channel or type in the search engine who killed Captain Alex and just like get friends together and just like have a ball because <laughs> their movies are so much fun. Like they they pack all the action that you could ever possibly want in a movie. It's delightful. So Bad Black is another film from Wak Hollywood. Uh, and uh, it's kind of like the follow-up. Okay. It's it's screened at Fantastic Fest, um, which is uh, you know the largest genre film festival in right. the world, and it's being brought to us by the good people at uh, American Genre Film Archive or AGFA. Um, we're the Alamo is affiliated with them. They're basically like the uh, archive uh, of right. film preservation and distribution, uh, but they're helping to bring Bad Black to. Uh, the states oh, and uh, right. I, I implore everyone check out Who Killed Captain Alex and in June we're screening Bad Black and we're bringing the director and the producer uh, over no from Uganda to, to, to be there so um, that's like really special for me so oh, anyway there's also just tons of stuff that I can't talk about yet yeah, <laughs> but, right. but keep your eyes peeled on our, on our social media channels I mean and uh, yeah if you join the film club group you'll be the first to know okay I didn't want to like flat out say like, do you get to watch free movies from the Alamo? But I guess that was kind of my question. You can ask that question, I guess. <laughs> do you get to watch free movies at the Alamo? Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's definitely a perk that I have, and that all employees who work at the Alamo have. Um, the the great thing about you know being the creative manager, sometimes you get to see certain movies before they come out. Yeah. Um, because that's your job to know how to market it and how to, you know, oh, okay. et cetera. So, uh, th- that's a privilege. Certainly. Um, I watch as many movies as I can that I screen, um, because, you know, again, where else am I going to see alien projected in 4k ever? Yeah. Or when am I going to see a double feature of police story with Jackie Chan or who killed captain Alex, et cetera. Uh, so, so I try to see as many as I can while I'm there. Yeah. But uh, I'm only one man, and there are so, there are too many movies, not enough life. It's yeah. like kind of the 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 other motto. Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> um, so you know, I, I I do what I can, and I try to be at every event that I can. Uh, what we've started to do in uh, Alamo uh, in the Alamo and Ashburn is hire hosts, um, oh, okay. so I don't necessarily have to be there for every single event. Oh, that's nice. Um, you know, uh, so. Other people who are passionate about movies can introduce it and talk about why they love it and engage an audience. Um, and yeah, uh, so that's what we've started to do in, in Ashburn. Um, if that's something you're interested in, you can contact me if you're listening. If you love movies and want to be a part of the Alamo experience. Want to get other people psyched about seeing a movie. That's yeah, right. Reach out. That's we'll right. Put, um, we're going to put Brian's contact info or... However, you can reach out to him best. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes so you guys can click some links and write some emails and or tweets, sure, or the Facebooks, whatever the kids are doing today. <laughs> so, what what do you when you're tired and you just want to throw something on? What do you gravitate to? Horror. Horror. Okay, I love horror movies. Um, I, I mentioned a film festival earlier. Um, my favorite event every year that I get to do is an event called Dismember the Alamo. 
and it's basically our annual horror film festival okay. that I get to cultivate. And, and this is also an event that AGFA, the American Genre Film Archive, is instrumental in because you, they have a whole treasure trove of films that you can just dig through. Like everything from, you know, schlocky exploitation films uh, to, you know, John Wayne westerns. I mean, they, they've really acquired a, an amazing library. So what uh, Dismember the Alamo gives me the opportunity to do is kind of go through and see what what films, you know, work as a festival. And it's kind of right. cur- curating, you know, the experience because you don't want to offer people too many uh, similar types of one movie. Right. Or you kind of want there to be a rise and fall as well. So last year, um, uh, for Dismember the Alamo, we showed The Mutilator. So we started it out with a, uh, with a great slasher. Then we moved on to The Changeling, which is this like kind of classy ghost story with George C. Scott. Um, to kind of, it, it's a different feel. Yeah, it's a different feel much. than slasher. And then you go to a shot on VHS uh, film called Haunted Ween. Um, and then you have how do you spell ween haunted ween like halloween but oh, oh okay like haunted, haunted ween get Got it? it it's very it's, clever <laughs> <laughs> it's deep yeah so um super fun film and then we ended it off with the new 4k restoration that they did of uh, zombie oh okay uh, fulci's lucio fulci's zombie so to kind of and the year before um we did uh madman another slasher brain damage uh by the great Frank Hedenlotter, who, like, it's very schlocky, kind of body yeah. horror type film, and then ended up with the 4K of Suspiria. So, kind Ooh, of leave okay. people with, like, that crowd pleaser at the end. Um, and so, Dismember the Alamo, that happens every October around Halloween time. And that's, like, you know, that's the life right yeah, there, right. being able to uh, curate that. But I love horror movies because there's nothing in this world that is more satisfying than a, 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 good horror movie yeah um you know i i'm a as i said i'm very mild-mannered um but i love watching horrible murder and violence on screen (laughs) i guess it's like my outlet i don't know like uh, of course that's a horrible thing to witness in real life yeah but on the the movie screen with a ton of people around you who are like you know also excited about (laughs) seeing some you know death and gore and I mean, there's nothing like it yeah. ever. Don't let this beautiful, pristine, uh, you know, uh, angelic face fool you guys. Brian is. I have a dark lady. side. Yeah, Brian. Is a little a bit side. of a dark side. <laughs> I I, uh, I love I love being scared, and I love the thrill. It, it, to me, it's more of like a uh, technical, like oh, how they do that, like yeah. with the gore effects yeah. and stuff. It's just fascinating to me, and um, just some of the greatest films ever made have been horror films. So. See, you know, you hit on something that's really funny, which is, um, and it kind of my whole love of film kind of came about this way, but horror films in general, because I haven't, I used to not like horror films. Um, and then, but I was uh, maybe 10, I accidentally saw Poltergeist mm. and it scared the living shit out of me. <laughs> and it affected me for years, like in really deep psychological ways like I can trace things back to that movie Um, what's but I love that movie Mm -hmm. it's amazing and I think it did give me the taste of like I like to be scared yeah Um, I think we all do I think that's why horror is kind of uh, going through another resurgence like a renaissance right now I mean you have I don't know movies like uh, Hereditary and Us that just came out like I mean like People are excited about going to see horror again. Yeah. It, you know, I mean, it. 
So it's it's very exciting yeah. time to be a horror fan. Very much. Uh, and that's kind of the, the, the one genre. I, I love all genres. There's not one. I, I'll watch anything. Yeah. Put it in front of me and I'll watch it. Yeah. But there's something about horror movies yeah. like that I, I just am fascinated by. I, I whether, whether it's something I want to put on to be scared or some schlock I want to put on to just be entertained and just kind of turn your brain off and watch mindless violence and terror. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's they, all good. You, uh, sorry, I was, this is what I was going to get at, was you talk about, like, the fascination of, like, how did they do that? Yeah. Which is a very filmmaker thing. But that, I have that constantly. Yeah. You watch Alien, and I'm just, like, like it, it's like, well, duh, they put him in a suit. But it's like, yeah, but how did they even think to make it look like that? Or, you know, the production value alone in that film, the sets and whatnot, is just, like... There was a, it was someone who took it to a next level, and it was the imagination, you know. It's imagination, it's, it's craft, it's being able to make decisions. Yeah. Some, some of it's like by mistake. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So the, the, the alien, you know, design is so iconic because they keep it hidden in the shadows right. for so long. Like Jaws is so iconic because you don't see the shark that often. Right. Shark hardly works. Right. Like, you know what I mean? So, so, um, I mean, so sometimes it just, it's, it's chance. It's lightning in a bottle. It just happens. And, um, but a lot of it is creativity and, and just like, just being a damn good filmmaker. Yeah. You know? Do you read a lot of, behind-the-scenes stuff about movies. Oh, I love it. I, okay. I, 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 I don't read fiction anymore. Yeah. Uh, I just read as much as I can about about films, and, or I read essays of yeah. people writing about films. Um, I listen to DVD commentaries a lot oh. while I'm working when I have them on in the background. I just listen to um, Jordan Peele's Get Out commentary, yes. the DVD commentary, um, for the second time. Yeah. And there are so many details in that movie that you wouldn't get on the... 30th viewing right. let alone the second or first yeah. so um so listening to peel talk about the film w- w- is is such a treat um and i hope that never goes away i mean dvds yeah. and and blu-rays are kind of uh on their way out right. i guess digital and streaming is the new thing but i really hope they never stop doing you know doc- behind the scenes documentaries right. and filmmaker commentaries that stuff's so valuable I've so I've noticed I never thought myself as a um, digital buying on digital. I never thought I would be that person, but that person. I'm that person <laughs> um, because what I found is actually. But here's what I'll say is I don't buy it unless it has extras. Okay. Um, it and I found that you know they have enough now. Now I can now if I go to Target or Best Buy, you know the extra features are exactly what you get on iTunes. You That's know. true. Um, so suddenly it was just like DVDs. Yeah, they kind of went away. And, and the I selection didn't anymore. Yeah, like you, right, exactly. you can't find anything at, right. at Best Buy or Target anymore. So, so I mean, it is. I, I look at it as, as a double-edged sword. Like it is amazing to have, you know, access to pretty much any movie that you want. Right. Like at your, at, you don't even have to get up from your couch. Um, but there's something to be said for physical media. There's something to be said for yeah. going to see a movie in, in the environment of a movie theater. Yeah. Um, so it's something that, you know, the times they are a change in and there's not really anything I can do about that. Right. Um, but what I, I can do, you know, 
as creative manager of Alamo Draft House <laughs> is, is uh, you know, uh, help kind of remind people yeah. what, what, what watching a movie is, what yeah. filmmaking is, you know, and, and there's nothing better to do that than to just go see a movie, you know? Yeah. I'm, there's, there's a soul aspect to going to see a movie in a theater that I'm constantly forgetting because we're all busy. But, um, whenever I go to a theater and I see a good film with a good audience on a Friday, Saturday night, you're kind of, I come back rejuvenated in terms of like, okay, the world's not that bad. <laughs> Absolutely. Know, it's not that hard. Absolutely. It's, it's for the soul. Definitely. As you said, um, and with a good audience, I'm glad that yes. you included that. Uh, and with Alamo, it's like there's there's no uh, again, no talking, no texting, no distractions. So you right. get you you know you don't get the noisy audiences that you would get at perhaps another theater, right? Um, which I've been to plenty of those. Yeah, and there's nothing uh, more obnoxious than being taken out of the world of the film, right. By someone you know talking or on their phone i was at the yeah. uh the the opening night screening of the avengers the original avengers and some dude was talking on his phone oh, during a God. crucial part of the movie i'm like are you kidding me? so avengers was i remember seeing avengers because griffin uh was working on his senior film mm-hmm. and he took a break editing he the his film was due the next day but we took a break to go and see the midnight screening of Avengers. i mean i don't blame you that was a huge event i think i think that's still my favorite marvel film just because nothing has been able to replicate that sense of anticipation and excitement yeah. and it was like an event it was like yeah. a, now you get a marvel movie every week but like right. that was like a huge deal seeing all those characters together and it very easily could have been really a huge bad. failure yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the stakes for it weren't just in the story. It was outside the story as well. Sure. I mean, th- there may come a day where, when a Marvel movie completely bombs at the box office and you know, <laughs> we'll never see another Marvel movie ever again. But, I mean, there, there's no end in sight. Yeah, like, there's no... Right. There's, uh, We've got Black Panther 2. Yeah, next and year. Spider-Man <laughs> and like all, all these movies. But I am anticipating Endgame very much. I mean, yeah. I think by the time this podcast comes out, we'll all have seen it. But um, that's the the culmination of a decade of movies. Like, it's pretty remarkable. It's going to be interesting because it's not like the, the vibe from what I get is not like the end of Harry Potter. Because mm-hmm. I think people know that it's going to continue. My question is going to be how... They got to make a big, I don't know if you just heard the snoring. That's my dog who's right next to me. Miko's making an appearance on the Sleepy podcast. Sleepy doggo. That's okay. I'd rather have him sleep than uh, be yelping. Um, <laughs> the Everyone's, I think, questioning what is the next, what's the next step? Because I think Fantastic Beasts has kind of proven that, and The Hobbit, and I, before that, it was the Star Wars prequels where it's like, if you go back and revisit it, you got to be really sure because there's a whole history of films that didn't work, you know? Yeah. I, I Marvel has not given me any reason to doubt them. Yeah. I mean, they've had movies that have been better than others, but, um, you right. know, I, I, I do think that they have, they seem to have everything kind of planned out. Right. Yeah. Um, whereas again, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan, so it breaks my heart to say this, but the Fantastic Beasts movies feel like they were like, 
I don't know, just like she made it up as she went along. Yeah. And she like J.K. Rowling, she claims to have planned all this out in advance, but there's, I, yeah, I can't, there's more I can't that believe she... that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so at, at any rate, I, I, I don't want to, you know, slog on certain films because the Fantastic Beast movies and the Hobbit movies, they have their, uh, their, their uh, good elements to them. Uh, and as, yeah. as fans, as fans of, uh, as a fan of those worlds, that right. you know of Middle Earth and of Hogwarts and all, all of that, um, I there's nothing more that that I want to do than just love those movies. Right, but it, it's been um, it's so well and like film people talk about it all the time where it, it's so funny the conversations that The Hobbit started because it didn't work in so many ways. You know, it started just as much conversation as the original Lord of the Rings. I think. Because it didn't work, um, or you know, it didn't work in every way, like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Speaking did, of special know? features, it's pretty amazing when you watch the special features for The Hobbit: The Battle of the Five Armies, because Peter Jackson literally says, "Like I had no idea what I was doing." Yes, <laughs> it's yeah. like it gives you a whole new perspective on the movie. It's mm-hmm. like, <laughs> what? Well, the balls to release that video, you know, it it, it brought me a new respect for him mm-hmm. that that video would go out. Yeah, you know? and then uh, he made "They Shall Not Grow Old," which right. is a phenomenal documentary. Yeah. Oh man, I was trying to take my dad to it so many times over the over the uh, winter break. We talked know? about it's it's a great time to be a horror fan. It's a great time to be a superhero fan. It's a great time to be a documentary yes. fan because in between "They Shall Not Grow Old" and uh, Apollo Eleven, have you seen Apollo? 11? I haven't. Oh I've my god. It. I had chills from the very first frame to the end of the movie just because like I could it's like I couldn't even believe what I was watching. You feel like you're there. It's yeah. extraordinary. So um it's it's an exciting time for sure. The the technology and what they're able to do cuz Peter Jackson like took all that old silent World War 1 footage and made it feel like it's new. Yeah. It's it, it was incredible. Yeah, I'm I'm it, he definitely um I mean he's a genius. Yeah. I am in, he gave in, us the Lord of the Rings trilogy yes. and Dead Alive. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> I mean, the Hobbit movies. Okay, they 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 made them and they weren't necessarily the best, but he's I mean, nothing but multifaceted. That's right. That's right. I want to see him do another like uh, uh, another schlocky gore film again. I'd kind of like to see a good like th- string of Peter Jackson films that are small. Yeah. Just to see what he like. What are you? Because uh, well, they shall not grow old is a very personal film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I've heard. And uh, it's it's something that I'd like to see more of. I don't want to see any more Hobbit films. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let Amazon handle that. Uh, yeah, that's true. They have that series coming up. We'll it's see. Gonna, it's going to be a very. Uh, what are your feelings about kind of how? I know you're working at a theater, but what's your feelings about all the streaming shows? And I mean, are you, do you, are you also a television lover? Are you watching, you know? I, I, that's a good question because there are shows that I've watched that I've enjoyed. Um, I love Fargo. I love Stranger Things. You know, yeah, sometimes I'll put on an episode of the great British Bake Off, you know. I just started watching. Oh, really? It's okay. Amazing. So, yeah. Um, but, with a movie, it's like you watch it, and two hours later, you're you know you're right. done. Whereas a TV show requires a lot of investment, yep. and like people will tell me, like you know, the first season, the first two seasons aren't good, but 
in season three it starts picking up and I'm right. like I don't have this I don't have that time right you know yeah. to, to devote so um I I do enjoy TV and I wish I had more time to watch uh TV um but I'm too busy watching movies yeah um as far as the streaming services go I mean you have Netflix and you have Amazon Prime and you have CBS All Access and you have right. Disney uh Plus or whatever they're calling it um so my worry is that like I mean, as of right now, these services, you know, shutter and so so many of these services cost less, much less than what cable costs. Right. But like, what if someone like, you know, wants all of these streaming services and they, uh, you know, it's it's they don't have access to all of these movies the way you would, you know, if you had a DVD collection right. or, or whatever. So uh, it, it's kind of a slippery slope. Because the yeah. the only way you can watch certain things is is on Amazon Prime or on Netflix or whatever, then uh, you you end up with twenty streaming services that you're subscribed to. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and then it just becomes like you're buying every you're buying channel by channel. Right. Really that, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. You know, it's um, I will say, and what makes one of the aspects of the Alma that I really really um, want to delve into more is showing older films mm-hmm. because that is something that has been completely lost not completely obviously but um just it's not in the conversation pre 1970 film is not in the conversation there's like, there's none of it on netflix yeah um, and i was just gonna say i can't find old films on my streaming stuff you yeah know? with the with the new criterion channel coming out and stuff it's gonna be a little bit easier but you wouldn't know to like look for those like right? now, now you're left to just like look for those films you hardly ever discover anything anymore yes it's the um, discovery yeah remember when you used to go to blockbuster video and you used to look at like you know the shelves of, of and you used to pick up the box and look at the box yep. and like, this looks like something i'd want to rent read the back yeah. yeah um that's kind of lost with yeah. with netflix and things get buried and you, you can't fi- you can't find you can't find anything and you know at alamo again bringing it back yeah um you know, you can see a, a, a festival of Laurel and Hardy shorts, right. and you can see, you know, the the thirty sixth chamber of, Th- of Shaolin, and like right. stuff like that. That where can you go to get that yeah. experience? Right. You know. So yeah, it's um, I there is a well, and part of it's also like I don't, I don't just want to see sitting on my couch watching old movies there is a little bit of a soul like i have to go every month i have to go back and watch something kind of old i love black and white films um if you haven't seen murder my sweet murder my sweet is like one of the best film noir movies i you know um, we just did a uh uh, don't just tell me. Don't tell me you just did a film noir like festival because i'm gonna want to kill myself it wasn't a festival it was a series we did noir vember so um yeah we we showed uh, the maltese falcon and elevator uh, elevator to the gallows and i've never seen elevator to the gallows oh man it's great oh boy um it's a great score by miles davis i think did the score miles too. davis yeah. okay yeah so it's a terrific film uh but anyhow so um noir vember uh for uh christmas or for december we did cage miss we showed nicholas cage movies so we oh, showed uh, Valley Girl and Face Off. <laughs> and so I'd like to make that a yearly tradition that... because there's no end of great Nicolas Cage films to screen. <laughs> so I was the first time I went to Austin, they have the Alamo on 6th Street. And 
uh, my wife and I decided because we we're because of where we were going to get dinner that night, we went to one of the newer Alamos and we went and saw La La Land. But we stopped at the Sixth Street Alamo and we contemplated going that night because they were having the Nicolas Cage the caged, festival. Yeah, caged festival. And yeah. he showed up. He was there. Yeah, that's one of my goals. To he try to, out. Yeah. Oh my god. That's one of my goals to try to get Nick Cage to come to one of our cage miscreants. Oh, he'll um, do it. <laughs> but. Uh, I, I tried. I tried. I got yeah. in touch with, uh, you know, his his people, and they said he was filming something. And I'm like, when is Nick Cage ever not filming something? Yeah, so, right. um, I bet you could get him when he has to come and steal the Declaration of Independence <laughs> for a third yeah. time. You know, when are they going to make National Treasure three? Man, I'm ready for it. I'm, Give it to me. I am so ready for another adventure movie like that. That is, I, I'll, I'll watch that kind of every year because there is a the Dora the Explorer movies coming out. Next oh yeah, year. that's right. I for just saw that this show. year actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you see Mandy, by the way? I didn't see Mandy, no. Oh, my God. That's probably oh, oh, one with of Nick Cage. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I didn't see it. Okay. That's probably Nicolas Cage's best performance ever. Okay. That was one of my favorite movies of last year. Is that a horror film? Uh, it's, there are horror elements. It's, okay. it's, it's very violent, um, psychedelic uh, visuals. It's basically a revenge picture. Okay. It's basically Death Wish on like LSD. Oh, okay. Uh, right. And Nicolas Cage is just phenomenal in it. He, he goes, he's able to be like quiet, contemplative Cage, and he's yeah. allowed to be crazy, like wide-eyed, insane Cage too. So okay. uh, that performance, <laughs> it runs the gamut. It's amazing. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll put Mandy on my, uh, on my list of, my endless list of movies that I'm going to watch. As I said, too many movies, not enough life. So I will say, if you are looking, because every now and again, um, well, I try to have one series, or Emily and I try and have one series that we're kind of cranking through, because we kind of find it therapeutic at the end of the day. Um, uh, you got to watch Down Abbey. One of these days. I recommend, yeah, one of these days. <laughs> but you, if you're recommending it to me, I mean, I, I hear people talk about it all the time. And the movie's coming out too, so yes. it, wouldn't it be great to get caught up on the series before the movie comes out? Yeah, and that, and then, um, well, The Sopranos too, because there's a Sopranos sequel coming out. Yeah, one of the best shows ever. Unfrickin' believable. Ugh. How it's able to endear you to such awful people. <laughs> it, it really, the more I watch shows like that, because, uh, I mean, I'm a f- I, I make movies, uh, you know, I'm in the middle of a feature, but I'm also, like, now kind of expanding my thoughts in terms of writing about like, hey, it'd be really fun to do a show. I've got a, I'm working on a concept right now where I'm like, this would be such a fun, it's such a lost type of like adventure, time travel event. But I'm like, this needs to be a series. Like I want to live in this for like six years because the mythos has to be yeah. you know, that deep. So. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, um, is there anything coming up in the next like, two months that you need to get the word out or oh man well I, I i talked about you know some upcoming screenings yeah um bad black is really the one i'm like oh man okay i'm just like so bad excited black. about that yeah check out who killed captain alex on youtube okay. it's it's it'll change your life okay i promise you <laughs> Um, it, it, it kind of caused me to look at films in a different way yeah. i guess too these people have nothing and they're making like they're making this entertainment that's just so uh it, it's so itself yeah you know and that's rare it's funny when you look at something go like i guess well i'm not trying to put them down in any way but it is fun to like expand your thought about yeah that is cinema it is. i guess it is 100%. cinema. let's yeah. put on a show that's yeah. the whole idea 
and um, you know they don't let their lack of resources or their right. lack of you know m- money deter them from right. making a kick-ass action film. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I read an article about the Library of Congress. You know, they have they bring in their films and stuff, but one of them um, or a couple of them were sixteen or eight millimeter home videos by some guy in Oklahoma or something from like the 50s and 60s -hmm. and it makes you pause and go like yeah that's a hundred years from now that will be important too to you know whether it's like yeah we had eight millimeter back then and to be able to you know see kind of what that looked like and what life looked like back then you know it, it yeah that, that was whole... also uh i'm sorry no, no no i'm just saying that's the black hole of cinema that is so fun to fall into absolutely because it's it never ends you know i took a tour of the the culpepper yeah uh, campus for the library of congress and it was kind of a that was another kind of like life-changing thing for me um they took me down into the the vaults i guess where they keep all the, the nitrate film. And uh, the, the the guide handed me a canister, and he was like, do you know what you're holding in your hands? And I was like, no. He's like, that's the original 1931 Frankenstein. It's the original negatives. And I was like, oh! <laughs> it's a huge oh moment God. for me. Yeah, it was really, really cool. So, um, yeah, film history, it's just, it fascinates me. It's very interesting. And when you think about it, it hasn't been around that long. Has I not. mean, painting no. is, but I do think... Um, culturally, it's. I'm not saying it's more important than painting, but I think. Yeah, I mean, painting's been around for hundreds of years, and then we have film suddenly, and it's just like the amount that we've generated as you know humans have generated. It's incredible. It's the most accessible, and I feel like it's the most, as I said, uh, empathy generating. Yeah. Uh, form of art. Yes. I think there's nothing. Excuse me. I enjoy going to see a stage show as much as the next person. I, I you know, uh, I, I appreciate going to museums yeah. and looking at art, but there's nothing like going to a movie. I think I, I've had deep talks about that too, because as making stuff, you kind of need to. When you're making something, you also want to know like what am I what am I doing? What am I making? Who am I making it for? And there is a, um, and I it's deep within horror films and it's deep within indie film which is like a working class or blue there's that blue collar it's like a mechanic working on a car type of thing that i love which is you're making something with your hands and you want those people to go and see it you know yeah absolutely and even if you go see a a, a terrible film a crap <laughs> film you know first of all uh you're able to talk about it because mm-hmm. you've seen it gives you context as to you know the larger picture yeah it, it makes you appreciate good movies more right and um sometimes bad movies can be like a, a palate cleanser i guess yeah. you don't want to just watch uh you know ingmar bergman films for the rest of your right. life you know you, you need a little bit of uh <laughs> it's like I, I don't know uh you, you just need that palate cleanser yeah yeah no i i sometimes you just with you I forget who said this, but it was an analogy that someone made. Like sometimes you just got to eat a mustard sandwich <laughs> sometimes <laughs> just to, just to know yeah, what that tastes right. like. Yeah. You, you know, go see a bad film. It's good for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I love, I like the mass production. Uh, sorry. The mass production is the, I, I like 
the idea that it's for the masses. It's an art form for the masses. Um, and I, there's some cinematographer, I think he was talking about theaters being the church of the 20th century. Yeah, well, as I said, it's a, like a temple. Yeah, it, it was, you know, it's like really deep and pretentious thought maybe, but it's also like, yeah, we learn our morals. We, you know, learn so much about each other, uh, about ourselves and each other by what we go and see, you know. so Glimpses of lives that we'll never have, you know. Right experiences that we'll never experience you know so it's it's very enriching uh to to go see a movie get out was kind of like that in terms of like experiencing something that i will never experience but that clearly made a it very much made an impression i think on the whole country of you know this whole the question of race and it hit the zeitgeist it it, yeah. it really came at the right time yeah the right audience saw it I think the um, right person made it. The right person made it. And um, it's, I mean, with us, like the highest uh, opening weekend for an original horror film ever. Right. Like, that's incredible. Yeah. If you think about it, we're entering a new age. I'm going to see it this weekend. Oh, you haven't seen I it could, I couldn't catch it last weekend because I was going to oh, be man. on man, you'll have to let me know your I'm thoughts. I'm going to go <laughs> to the Alamo. Okay, right this on. This weekend, and I'm going to go and see it. Cool. Let me know uh, when you go. Maybe I'll be there. Okay, cool. Well, Brian, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Thanks for having me. It's been been so much fun. Yeah, it's been a blast. Um, Guys, uh, we'll have all of the links to how you can contact Brian, follow Brian um, on the podcast page in the notes. So um, definitely, uh, if you want to, if you're a local filmmaker, local film buff, get in contact with Brian and he will point you in the right direction. Hey guys, just wanted to remind you that not only can you find the Full Frame Podcast on HMD's website, www.hmdfilms.com, but you can find us on Facebook, and most importantly, you can find us on iTunes, where we would really like if you could leave a review and subscribe. Thanks. Have a great week.